Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning. Got a few games, got some injury updates, and we got a lot of injury updates this morning. Uh, but the Super Bowl, the Jazz, they certainly have the injury news. Uh, the games, Weber State did it. They got the win. They beat Eastern Washington. That's the top of the big sky. Weber State's in first place. They improved to 17-5. They held off a, a late push from the Eagles, who are a 500 team, 11-11, bouncing around the middle of the big sky. Weber State stays in first place. Montana State, Montana, Southern Utah, and Northern Colorado all on two losses. Because of COVID, teams play different number of games, so they don't have the same number of wins. But those are the two loss teams behind Weber State. Southern Utah got it done. They picked up over a win over NAU. Once again, a team at the top beating a team in the middle of the league there. So Southern Utah is fourth, but they played one less game than Montana, Montana State. So the Big Sky Tournament, the NCAA Tournament berth will come down to the conference tournament, as always does, it's not a league that's going to have a large bid. you got to play well one week in March. And right now, if you look at the semis, it would not be a surprise to see two Utah schools and two Montana schools squaring off against their in-state rivals in the semis, and then we'll see who wins in the finals. So that's where that sits. Utah State plays tonight. Scotty G will have the call. They are playing Air Force. It was a tough stretch for the Aggies. They haven't shot the ball well. They've been shooting the ball a little better. And so they are now 3-5. and five, But they're playing Air Force, who's also 3-5. and five. If they can get the win at home, they climb over another team. And we'll see if they can uh, make their way up through the standings here. They are right now not looking good. They're sitting in ninth place in the league. But they're also only a game and a half out of fourth place. So maybe they can climb up, climb up there and set themselves up for the conference tournament. They're not going to be in a large team. they got a 12-9 and record. So set yourself up for the conference tournament and see if you can play well when you get there. They'll play Air Force tonight. You'll hear that here on the Zone Sports Network with Scotty G on the call. All right, the injury news. The Super Bowl and Joe Ingles. We will uh, we'll start with Joe. It was what everyone feared and expected. When you saw him go down, if you've ever torn your ACL, you know what it feels like. It hurts a lot. And when you saw Joe go down, you saw the knee bend awkwardly, and you saw him on the floor in such obvious pain. And Joe's an Iron Man. He had a stretch of like 300 games played or whatever, and he, he plays a lot of basketball. He doesn't sit a lot. He plays internationally for Australia in the summer, and then he comes back and pulls the full shift on the season for the Jazz. So when he went down, he showed that much pain. You figured it had to be bad, and it was bad. It's the ACL, which means the rest of this year, and an ACL means into next year. I thought it was hilarious when I saw ESPN that they quoted sources. Or, you know, you can watch the NBA for the last decade. How long does an ACL take? I mean, in Denver right now, Jamal Murray, how long does it take? He's going to be in the next year. Now, oddly, this changes several things. And I think this is Carl Malone. You know, I've done a complete 360 on that issue, and he many changed his mind, but a 360 takes you around the circle. A 180 is a complete reversal. A 360 brings you back to where you started. I think there were plenty of you who thought Joe could be traded at midseason. That could still happen. It'd have to be a straight money trade because obviously he's not going to play. But if you're doing it for cap relief, you know, a good team might do it for cap relief and they get Joe who might, you know, help them. Well, now Joe can't play. But if there's a bad team looking for cap relief, if there's a team determined to have cap relief no matter what, Joe still provides that. The trade could still happen. Now, ironically, it'd be less stressful for him because he wouldn't have to go play somewhere for three months. He's not going to play. <laughs> so he could be traded. He'll be a free agent in the offseason. 
I don't think the odds are very good to be back in Utah. I still don't think the odds are very good to be back in Utah. But would the Jazz take him back on a minimum contract? Knowing he's not going to play the first half of the season while he rehabs the knee. Maybe. You know, now at this point, Joe might want to retire and just go back to Australia. I can't rule that out. That could definitely happen. It's hard for me to see another team signing him, although maybe it could happen. His numbers were down this year. He was essentially the seventh man of the league last year. Now, were his numbers down this year because he felt pressure because of the trade deadline? Was it down because he's just fried after playing in the Olympics? Uh, You know, the energy level ought to be back because now he's not going to play any basketball. And he's going to rehab. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It, it changes things, but it doesn't because the, tr- the money trade could still happen. He might have ended up back in Australia next year if he was healthy. He could end back in Australia anyway. Would he stay here in rehab and try to get into the league and join midseason next year? Would there be a wink-wink deal with the Jazz? You, know, you wouldn't even have to sign for the minimum. Maybe you sign midseason when you're finally healthy. Uh, how does Joe want to play it? You know, hopefully we'll have him on here, and he's been really good about coming on with us. He's been on so regularly. He's very rarely missed. He did when he was positive for COVID. I mean, there have been a few times. Um, but when we do talk to him, it'll be interesting to see what his his mindset is. And and honestly, he may not have made it up yet either. You know, this is the kind of thing it may take a while to, to process. And does he want to rehab here, rehab in Australia? There's a lot for him to iron out. But the Jazz now have to say, okay, where do they get the shooting? And Joe wasn't shooting it real well lately. We all know that. But we also know he's provided a lot of great shooting over the years. And how did the Jazz get another shooter? Does Rudy Gay play more minutes? You know, that's, that's one possibility. Do they go out and acquire somebody? That's one possibility. Do they not worry about the shooting? Because the other thing, Joe, Joe was a security blanket. When Mitchell's out or when Conley is out, Joe slides right into the starting lineup. Do they want... For, put Forrest in that role. Not worry about the shooting, because that's not what Forrest does. He's not going to give you great numbers from three. But provide the ball handling and just be different. You know, it's, Coaches will always say this, and they, and they say this in multiple sports. When someone goes down injured or someone's traded or someone retires or someone leaves the free agent or whatever, you rarely replace like for like. Often, whatever that person's strengths are, you lose. But maybe the new person gives you strengths in another in strength in another area. So I know a lot of you. I haven't mentioned Pascal yet. Pascal yet. I know a lot of you are going to say, "Give that guy a shot," you know. Or is it time for someone like Elijah Hughes? You know, is this an opportunity for them to seize a bigger role? Is there a move to be made? The Jazz do not have a lot of assets, but they do have some. So interesting times to see how this how this plays out for the Jazz and, and where this goes going forward. Because uh, it's the whole thing, what does Joe do? And then there's the whole thing, well, what does the team do? How many of Joe's minutes, you know, does Mitchell play bigger minutes? Does Rudy Gay play bigger minutes? Somebody in the lineup, you know, are they going to take on more of the load? It's hard to believe that Conley can play more. And the thing is, Joe gave you a couple of different things. And they probably aren't going to get a guy with that kind of size who can handle the ball, who can shoot the three well. He didn't shoot the three well the last month, but he was a runner-up in the sixth man of the year last year. I mean, he was the seventh man of the year. We all joke about that. you know. He was so good off the bench for the Jazz last year that TNT had him present the award to his teammate Jordan Clarkson when he won it. So 
It'll be interesting to see how the Jazz how the Jazz handle this going forward and how much it's an experimentation. You know, try to play one way eight or ten games and try to play another way eight or ten games, and then what do they ultimately go in, go with in the playoffs? When you know the key guys play more minutes and the bench guys play fewer minutes and the guys who are third string aren't playing at all. But if they're if they want to if they want to give one of these young guys uh, a run, I think there's at least two or three guys they might want to give a shot here. Then this this is the time. I mean, they brought guys in on ten day contracts. Maybe those are the guys, and maybe there's a guy out there on a ten day contract they're going to be in. There there are a lot of possibilities. All right, uh, and then the the, uh, the the Super Bowl news, which ironically is the tight end injury update, uh, because both teams have issues. Tyler Higby, it doesn't look good for him and the Rams right now. He's got an MCL sprain. He may miss the Super Bowl. Now, C.J. Uzma for the Bengals, he's got an MCL sprain, but they seem to be a little more hopeful that he'll be able to bounce back and play in the game. I wouldn't be surprised, ultimately, if both guys miss the games. MCL sprains are nothing to mess around with. Now, how bad are they? Uh, we can really only judge that because you just can't believe anything you hear about injuries at this point. Um, the NFL makes you report them, but teams will go overboard to be cautious. So they'll tell you, I can't play, and then maybe you can't. But how much time did a guy miss? Did a guy sit? You know, When Uzma goes to the locker room and comes out in street clothes in the second half, I mean, he wants to be part of the team, be on the bench, do what you can, cheer your guys on. Maybe you see something and mention something to a player. You want to be part of it. You've invested so much. There's, you know, you've run so much. You've lifted so many weights. You've watched so much film. You want to be out there with your guys. And then whatever little bit you can provide, great. But it makes me think you won't be able to play. But the Bengals, encouraged by initial tests. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to play, but we'll leave it out there and, and we'll see where it goes from there. And then the odd, the oddity of the day, Cincinnati calls off school the day after the Super Bowl. And as near as I can tell from the stories, they're not offsetting it with another day. These kids, and maybe they will, maybe they'll tack on a day at the end. But there was a holiday on the 7th, and they could have just flipped it to the 14th. But the kids are getting the 7th and the 14th off. Football is not real life. But if you're in school, it has a pretty big impact on real life. But Cincinnati's going crazy for the Bengals. It's been a long time. It's been more than 30 years, and now they're in the Super Bowl. And I guess if they lose, it'll just be a day of mourning, and the kids will still get a day off of school. So, All right, DJ and PK, coming up more on the Super Bowl. We had a Hall of Fame selector on the show yesterday, and he will give you his thoughts, his pick for the Super Bowl. How's this going going forward? Plus the ongoing uh, drama with the quarterbacks. Uh, what what's going to happen in Green Bay and Tampa Bay? Is Brady really done? Is Rodgers going to Denver or somewhere else? What's the deal? Or is he retiring? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time now to welcome back Jason Cole, longtime NFL reporter, Hall of Fame selector. Jason, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? The Super Bowl is set. Are you surprised? Mm-hmm. You had to have been surprised at at 21-3 the Bengals got off the deck. Yeah, well, I mean, they did it earlier this year against that same team, so not completely shocked by that. In fact, I expected them to hang out. In this game, I didn't expect them to win. I I thought that Kansas City would have a plan in the second half for how to score, and obviously they did not. So I was wrong on that one. Um, but Cincinnati's look. I thought Cincinnati was a year or two away. I thought they had to fix their offensive line a little bit more, which they still do. Um, 
I didn't think they were complete on defense, but I was wrong about the second part of that. They're they figured out defensively how to fix problems that they have in, in games, especially against Kansas City in that second half. And so they pulled out a victory, so I'm not completely shocked. But if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season, would the Bengals be in the Super Bowl this year? I mean, come on, please. Yeah, Let, really. let's, let's, not, let's not jest with each other. I think the biggest surprise for me, watching Joe Burrow, you know, I know he can throw the ball, but the couple of runs, particularly that one that he had, he had the two for the first down, but being able to get out of that pressure and find his way to get mm-hmm. to the chains. Uh, the, the kids just got moxie. I said last week, man, as someone who's cocky and hot is dangerous, and it, it, we expect him to throw the ball well, and, and you know, he's got the receiver there that he played with in college, and uh, but uh, to be able to, to do what he did with his legs on those couple of things, i got to say, I was way surprised. I have to ask a question. Is moxie the greatest old man word that we have in, in the English language? Like, it should be on, like, those progressive ads um, <laughs> about people who are, like, acting like their parents, right? What's, what's the, what, you, you got a better word? Along the line. No, no, I like moxie. I mean, I, but when I say it, and I admit this, when I say the word moxie, I feel 10 years older than I am. And that's <laughs> that's that's not good. Okay? <laughs> Let's just say that right. Well, at least you're not top, dead, okay? though. Swag. No, I'm not dead. But, it's, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know, swaggerlicious would be a little bit younger. Okay. But <laughs> moxie, yeah, moxie is, is the older version of it. Um, you know, look, Burrow, Burrow has those traits where he has exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have, right? Like Burrow, his his mind works at the speed of the game or faster. So nothing that happens seems like it's a surprise to him necessarily. I mean, he gets hit, he can get sacked, but you don't feel like he's clueless back there. Or when he escapes, he can make a big play. Like Chris Jones misses him, and he whiffed on him twice yeah. on that play. On that on that first big run, that's Chris Jones, right? But he's Burrow's never surprised by the speed of the game, and again, Garoppolo is. And this is the difference between, you know, just being a great athlete because these are these guys are amazing athletes, right? Um, and being at the upper end of it, right? And that's where Burrow is. He just he sees it. He gets rid of it, or he makes a play with his legs. You know, not that he's a great runner, but he's a good enough runner. And, and you know, that's not going to last forever. He's going to slow down a little bit. But, you know, he made these key plays when he had to in these games, along with the fact the Bengals have done a phenomenal job of surrounding him with talent because they've got one great receiver, one very good one, and another good one, um, you know, in Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. So, you know, hopefully – I, don't know, I haven't checked on the tight end today, you know, Uzama, but uh, if they go into that game with those guys, I think they have a chance to, to put up some points against the Rams. We often talk about how fragile confidence is, and the Kansas City offense looked brilliant for three series, three long drives, three touchdowns. They got 21 points, but their fourth drive – they don't get the field goal at the end of the half. And they're just not the same team the rest of the game. Is it is it that simple? Did you put it on something else? 
Yeah, I mean, look, they didn't figure out a way to get Tyreek Hill open in the second half. I mean, you know, they were throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill a lot in the first half. And the second half, he didn't he didn't get very many chances. I think that was the bigger problem. Since I did a nice job of shutting him down, and they got caught up in short drives. And so, as my, I think that that game that that play is a turning point, and it's critical because you know, Mahomes made two mistakes on that one. Number one, he didn't he you know he you know you have to throw that ball in the end zone, or you have to throw it away. You can't throw it in the field of play, um, and so that's number one. Number two, you just you have to get points there, um, and I think that that you know that put some doubt in Andy Reid's mind because he ended up talking about it at the end of the, the first half. It was the first time a sideline reporter has ever come out with some really actually good piece of information because I, I don't remember which one it was, which sideline reporter it was who um, said Andy Reid was still talking about it at the end of halftime as they came out. It's like, look, you got to let that one go and focus on forward and what you have to do next. Um, you know, mistakes happen during games. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a key turning point. I think it changed their mindset a little bit. But still, they should have had an answer for what Cincinnati was doing because this is the second time they've seen Cincinnati in a month. You know that you're, you're supposed to know this, and Andy Reid has seen every kind of defense that anybody's going to throw at you to try and stop Tyreek Hill. Have an answer, and they didn't. I believe football is the ultimate team game, so I'm sort of torn on with Matthew Stafford because you know he took a lot of heat to not doing well in Detroit, and here he is his first year getting to the Super Bowl. So I'm wondering where you stand on putting so much credit and blame on quarterbacks and does it absolve him and it's more on the Lions they just stunk and really Stafford has been good all this time well we're talking about the Lions right right but it didn't, didn't um, it seem like Stafford had some baggage there associated with the Lions or no it's the Lions <laughs> it's, it's the Lions like there, there are some you know like there are some teams that know that, you know, they kind of fit in this realm of most teams kind of have an idea of, you know, what they're doing and things fall in place. Some teams really know what they're doing and they're consistent contenders like the Steelers, the Patriots. You know, those teams, those teams get it. Even the Giants, even though they're down right now, they ultimately kind of get it and they put out a competitive product most years, right? Then there are the, there's the other extreme. Uh, teams that just have no clue. And the Lions are, like, they're the band leader in that one. They have the baton, and they're at the front of the parade, and they're marching, you know, like, doing quarter time with the baton, right, in front of the band. That's them, okay? And they don't know what they're doing. There's a team, There's a reason they've never been in a Super Bowl. There's a reason that they took the combination of Calvin Johnson and Dominican Sue and Matt Stafford and never did anything reasonable with it. Why they fired Jim Caldwell and brought in Matt Patricia. You know, I mean, we can go down the list of things, but I don't think they've won a championship since, what, 1955? Like, the common denominator is the Ford family doesn't know what they're doing, and they don't know how to run a football team. And until they figure out how to run a football team, this is what they are. And that's just, that's how it works with, with teams. 
Uh, you know, you're a reflection primarily of your ownership. So, yeah, I don't really blame Matt Stafford for a lot. Sure, there are some things that he's done. You know, he's he's a little wild with the ball, and you know, he th- does some desperate things, and he's a little too courageous with his arms sometimes. I get that, okay, but he's talented, and they should have done more with him. So I put this firmly on the Lions' shoulders as where the problem comes up. So you got Rams or Bengals? Rams, the, the problem I have here is the when I saw when I watched the Bengals against Tennessee, they couldn't they just couldn't block anybody, right? He got sacked nine times. Arguably the Rams have a better pass rush. And to go with that, the Rams have a better offense slash quarterback than Tennessee does, right? So as close as the game was between Cincinnati and Tennessee, you know, if if the Rams can do the same thing defensively that Tennessee did, and I think they can, then I think they win this game because they'll put up another seven points. Instead of getting 16, they'll get 23 or they'll get 24. And just it's going to be hard for Cincinnati to match that. But it's going to be fairly close. Um, I like the competitiveness of the game. I like both quarterbacks. I like the storylines of both quarterbacks. Was the second time in NFL history that we've had two number ones going at it. The last time was Manning against Cam Newton. So I like I, I like everything that goes into this. I love the drama of it. I love the sort of underdog against the home favorite, the team that's trying to make something happen. But ultimately, if if it comes down to X's and O's, and it generally does, I like what the Rams can do just a little bit better than what Cincinnati can do. And Cincinnati can keep the score down with their defense, but they're going to give up a few plays along the way. Away from the Super Bowl for a second, how about Aaron Rodgers? Uh, what do you think is going to go down there? I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you look at – you've been MVP the last two years, right? And you analyze this because Aaron – analyzes a lot of things. You know, he thinks about a lot. Um, I don't necessarily always agree with his conclusions, but I don't want to go down that um, train of thought. Do you really believe in the organization? And, you know, you used to not believe in Brian Gutekunst, the, the general manager, and the fact that he took a quarterback, um, you know, two years ago when they could have used another receiver to help him out. You know, he was angry with that. But now you're looking at Matt LaFleur going, You've been terrible in champion in in playoff games the last two years. You were terrible against Tampa Bay. You were worse against San Francisco this year. And for as good as we've been in the regular season, like I got, I only got so many bullets left. Am I going to do this with with Matt Lafleur and a GM that I you know sort of made up with, but sort of still don't trust? I, I got I. <laughs> As hard as it is for him to walk away from Green Bay, and last year showed that it was hard for him to walk away from Green Bay, I think he either walks away from Green Bay and plays or he retires. I have a hard time seeing him coming back to Green Bay and going through this after two of the most spectacular years of his career have ended in infamy the last two years. It's And, and it, even really three, but you know that, that one three years ago, I mean, they just got dusted by San Francisco. San Francisco was just better than them. The last two years, they were better than Tampa Bay and lost. 
and they were better than San Francisco and lost. And that has to eat away at your soul as a competitor. So Denver would be interested in him. Pittsburgh might be interested in him. New Tampa Orleans, Bay, Carolina. I mean, we can go down the list. Tampa Bay is now in the market no, yeah, for quarterback. Like, if, do you believe Brady's about a third of uh, a third of the league? Yes. <laughs> do you believe Brady's gone? I don't know what exactly to believe. I trust Adam Schefter's reporting. I would just say this. I mean, he's been far. He's he's the most accurate of the guys by far of the guys who report on the NFL. Nothing is going to change, and they can get weird, but. I have a feeling Tom, Tom more than likely is going to retire. But we've been playing this game for five years, right? Like, when is Tom going to retire? And generally, he keeps playing. So that wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, and when his dad says he's going to com- continue to play, which is his dad said that on San Francisco radio, um, you know, those two guys are, you know, father, son. They're as tight as any father and son I've ever seen. So, you know, I. I wouldn't think that his dad would just go out and say that unless he knew something. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I Someday he's going to retire if it happens this week or in the next few weeks. Um, I tip my cap. I also sit there and say I'm kind of pissed off because I'm not, I'm not done with look, watching him play. I'd like to see him continue to play at this level. At the same time, I also thank him for, you know, getting a chance to watch him play this long because it was masterful. All right, there's a little football for you right here on 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Uh, one other note, um, the Broncos have gone ahead and uh, recycled the Raider coach. Now, the last time they did this, they won two Super Bowls. Of course, the last time they did this, they had John Elway. Will it work again? It worked. It worked with Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad. And now they're going to give it a shot. They've dipped into the Patriots organization. I don't know. You never know if this is going to work for sure. But Josh McDaniels, it didn't work with the Raiders. But now, after uh, basically another decade in New England, he's going to give it another shot with the Broncos. So we'll see if the Broncos go out and get a quarterback. Because in that division, you better have a quarterback. The, The Chiefs have a Hall of Famer. The Chargers have a good young quarterback We'll see where it goes for him. The Raiders have a playoff quarterback. Adequate. Doesn't look like he's going to be a Hall of Famer or an all-timer, but man, they had a lot of turmoil, and Carr played well enough they got to the they got to the playoffs, so they got something there. And Denver has basically been going through a guy every year since Peyton Manning was done. They got four years out of Peyton and two trips to the Super Bowl, and since then it's just been a revolving door. So Josh McDaniel can do whatever he can do, but he, they better get him a quarterback. And if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, I don't know who they're going to get. Um, I mean, maybe they'd be in the hunt for Garoppolo, right? There's the, at least a quarter of the league would be in the hunt for Garoppolo. I'm sure Washington and Carolina have got to look at their quarterback situations. Uh, Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh looks like he's done, so the Steelers are in the market. Denver's got to be in the market. New Orleans could be. Um, you know, there's there should be plenty of suitors. So. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 coming up, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, our basketball insider joins us, Steve Cleveland. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He joins us every week. And, man, that was a rough week with BYU losing twice and the Jazz losing every game all week long, sitting on a five-game losing streak. When we talked to Steve yesterday, the Jazz had not made it official that Ingles was out with the ACL, but we all assumed that was what they were going to do, and about 
two or three hours after, two and a half hours after we got off the show. Uh, they made it official, and it is an ACL, and Joe is a foul for all of this year. He won't be ready for the start of next year. You know what he'll do. Uh, is the topic for many segments going forward. He might retire and go back to Australia. He might try to rehab here. Could he be back with the Jazz on a minimum deal next year, maybe? Uh, we'll have to see how this plays out. Could he still be trade bait now? You know, could he still, he's still got an expiring contract. Not going to help you on the court because he's not going to play anymore this year. But the expiring contract is there. So we talk a little bit of Jazz and a lot of BYU with Steve Cleveland. Here is the former Cougar coach who is about to celebrate a big birthday. Here's Steve Cleveland. He joined us late in yesterday's show. Here he is now on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He joins us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. He's brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. Steve, are you more worried about BYU or more worried about the Jazz? Because that wasn't a great week for either team. <laughs> that is true. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think both of them have some challenges ahead of them. And, uh, you know, the Jazz are playing a really hot Nuggets team here coming up on Wednesday. And BYU's got USF and Gonzaga. So it's not going to be easy. Uh, they both have kind of dug themselves in a hole. Uh, the Jazz, obviously, some things, you, you know, when you're losing – and having your best player sit out and Ingles gets hurt again, or dealing with all the injury issues and the protocol issues, uh, those are things you really can't control. So hopefully uh, the Jazz can get healthy and, and, and BYU can kind of get their mojo back here. There's some things that uh, we can talk about. But, yeah, it, was, it wasn't a great week, real difficult time, and uh, puts them in harm's way up for a lot of things in terms of just the league play, but as well as the NCAA tournament. So we'll see how it happens. We'll see what, what happens. Well, let me say happy birthday to Coach Cleveland because I know you got a birthday coming up. And, Thank you. And I know it's a big one. So, but you're yeah. still rocking. You got many I, years to go. We, uh, <laughs> you, you, I was sitting there thinking about talking to my wife. I said, I said, you know, I don't feel seventy. I mean, I kind of feel it in, in, in certain ways, but mentally, I still feel like I'm, you know, yeah. young at heart. And but man, yeah, that, that's a number that is. Uh, kind of gets your attention. It does, yeah. yeah. So when yeah, my grandmother right. when my grandmother turned 80, she said exactly what you said. I don't feel like I'm 80. I'm like, well, how old do you feel? And she thought about it for a long time. That to me is like the most memorable thing. It was quiet for so long. And then she said, 55. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and after my grandfather uh, passed away, she was still very active. And I said, well, you know, you can do this, you can do that. Said, I don't want to hang out with old people. They're boring. <laughs> I'd rather oh, hang out with somebody your age, but most of the people your age think I'm boring. <laughs> she, exactly. she was hilarious. But I'm, it's true. Mentally, mentally, you know, you're still thinking like, you know, you're 35 and, and you're doing these things and the body doesn't always cooperate nowadays, but, but uh, no, it's good. It's good. I, I mean, you never think about ever being 70, right? Yeah, really. So I'll be in Utah. We'll get a chance to see a lot of basketball. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the Nuggets game on Wednesday, being there with my family. And, uh, and then BYU's got a couple of big games themselves. And I, I will grant you that Santa Clara is better than they have been. But nevertheless, the end of that game, I was chucking stuff at the television. Stuff happened that just can't happen. And it, it really bothered me. And then the Pacific game, it just until the last phonetic uh, couple of minutes, man, it just seemed like something was going wrong there. 
uh, as you diagnose this team, right? I mean, I, we can pick on individuals, but I'm always hesitant to do that at the collegiate level, at the pro level, at this yeah. fair game. But the collegiate level, you know, they still are college kids. What do you What do you see as being the issues? I, I, here's a couple thoughts. So one one thing people need to realize, and and, and maybe the the, the the fan doesn't see this, but when you know, I'll give you a scenario for instance, if BYU had played UOP at UOP the first game. They would have beaten them quite easily. BYU, the UOP was in kind of a funk. They'd never played them before. Then if they came back to BYU, they'd probably drill them. But the idea that you, they played, UOP actually played uh, BYU competitively for about 20 minutes. And then eventually BYU took over. But what people don't realize is when you start playing people a second time in league, I don't care who they are. You've got film. You 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 can get yourself much more organized. We're down the road, and I and I think what's happened in both these games, Santa Clara and BYU made defensive adjustments that they didn't make, you know, in original games. And I I thought that the adjustments that they made and, and things that I saw number one for BYU was BYU runs a lot of dribble handoff, ball screen action. They they try to turn the corner go north-south, and what ended up happening is in both games, uh, both opponents switched everything. I mean, they switched everything, they gave help, and it forced BYU to kind of go east-west all the time and never really be able to go downhill. And, and Barcello, who is really adept at that, they doubled him. They doubled him a lot and took the ball out of his hands. So as he's coming off that and coming back off it, he's getting doubled, and all of a sudden they get out – They. They get out of their routine. They get out doing what they feel is comfortable. And because Barcello is so crafty. But when you start doubling them, taking the ball out, it, it, they lose their rhythm. And I, and I think the thing, too, that the first half of the season, you're able to do things and teams make adjustments. But if you notice those two games, there was no post presence for the most part. I mean, Trey already had like 10 points. But everybody now is fronting them, covering down and doubling and forcing the ball to go back out. Because if you play Traore one-on-one and you play behind him, he's so quick and so athletic that he can score over most guys. But all of a sudden, he, he got very, very few deep touches throughout that whole game. So now you've taken Traore out of his game, you, you're taking Barcello out of his game, and you're switching everything else, and you're on the road. It is disruptive. And in both of those games... They had kind of the same defensive game plans, and they were very physical, and, 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 and they let them play. You know, and Lucas played good, but, but it, again, it, it gets to a point where they, they lost some confidence. And, you know, you, you, they, I'm, I was just watching and seeing what you expect, and it, it wasn't like BYU was shooting a bad percentage, but they could never get in any kind of flow. And, and that team needs that, you know, and everything works off Burchello. I mean, he, he runs that team, and he's had an amazing year. And, but both those teams took those things away and then, you know, shot it better than they normally do, and then all of a sudden the pressure's on BYU. That being said, that UOP game, I mean, can we get a press breaker, please? I mean, I mean they threw a ball away three or four times in a row and turned it to the doubles. I mean, UOP – as good as they played, it was unfortunate that they gave it all back at the end. And really, I was surprised that BYU didn't end up winning. But I do think that adjustments and playing people the second time make a difference. And, and, and right now, they're, you know, they're not getting 
the consistency and, and and like you said, you know, it's not to pick on players and and but they're they've got some guys that need to step up and there's there's just a loss of confidence, especially on the interior guys, uh, some of the interior guys. But you know, they got a big week this week. It's not going to be easy. They beat USF at their place. Uh, it won't surprise me if BYU beats USF. The, the Gonzaga thing's a whole different animal. But but BYU, I'm, I know that coaching staff, they're so good, and, and they're going to work through this. One of the things that was the classiest things I've heard, and, and a lot of guys don't do this. Sometimes coaches tend to blame circumstances or whatever. But Mark Pope didn't have a single excuse, took complete responsibility for what happened, and felt like I got to be better. Because he does have a great group of guys who play hard and together, and they've had good wins. But uh, this is college basketball. And I know what it feels like, man. Your gut just, just hurts all night and day until you can get to play your next game. But hopefully they'll figure some of those things out. But people are going to make adjustments. Okay, I don't want to go all Quinn Snyder on the Cougars, and we got to talk jazz. But last thing here, BYU's lost one game when they give up less than 70 points. They did lose. They gave up 69 and lost to Van, uh, Vandy, 69-67. But quit giving up 76 and 77 points. And things will go a lot better for you. So yes, no, 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 no question. No All right, question. let's let's and, get to the Jazz. Uh, Joe Ingles, that looks like a major injury. We'll hear about the MRI later today. How do they? What players do they have on a roster that you think might be able to replace some or part of what he? what he can do. I know next man up and all that stuff, but um, and, and partly you do get there by just demanding that from people, and then people will up their game, and yet you still have to be tactical. There's skill sets you're looking for. Obviously, he handles the ball. He has a lot of size. He can see over double teams. He hasn't been shooting the three well, but historically he shoots it very well. How did the Jazz attempt to replace him? Well, the first thing you'd like to have happen is that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert will be playing because once they're on the floor, replacing Joe Ingles is a little bit easier. But when you take Joe Ingles out and you're not playing with Donovan Mitchell and you're not playing with Rudy Gobert, you, you got, you got troubles. And, and, and you, you look at who they're, I mean, they, they've got a really tough schedule. I mean, they, they've gone through some difficult times and I mean, they're going to play the Nuggets Wednesday. They dropped 136 on the bucks and, and they're playing really, really well. So they're coming in as a, a very hot team. And uh, then you got the Nets on Friday. So, I mean, I think the most important thing here is when is Mitchell coming back and when is Rudy Gobert comes back? Because no matter what happens with Joe Ingles, if those two aren't playing, it, it's a struggle. And, and I think Clarkson takes a different – I mean, he's going to continue to do what he does off the bench, but he's going to he's gonna have to take more shots. He's going to have more of a role. I, I don't know that they have anybody that really just takes – Ingles' place. I mean, you've got guys there that have come in and contributed, but I think the bigger problem is getting Mitchell and Gobert back because they're they're you know big block the T Wolves, the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Suns. They've had a tough go recently. 0-4 last week, and you're you're missing your best players. It, it's kind of like okay, and I and I, I think they'll play well against the Nuggets. And uh, but to be honest with you, if, if Gobert and Mitchell are not activated. That's, a, that's going to be a really big challenge, no matter who comes out there. So what, what's the latest there? You, you guys are close to that. Do you see those two coming back? Wednesday keep saying night? it's close, and they said Gobert was a mild strain, and it's a week now, and then the other one was concussion protocol, which is over a week. 
with Mitchell. So it looks like it's close. Uh, I don't know if it's specifically Wednesday or Friday, and maybe they figure, well, we can give them basically if we sit them out Wednesday, we can give them pretty much another whole week. But, yeah, everyone's getting nervous now because you're sliding into the standings. And well, yeah, I mean, you can look at they, they, the end of the week. They're in sixth place. Things don't, you know, those guys don't come back. I mean, Denver's playing well. Dallas is, is playing well. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the Jazz going from fourth to sixth this week if they can't get them back. And it's not, I mean, there's not a lot you can do to control injuries and health and safety protocols. I mean, this NBA season has been so strange and so different than anything I've ever experienced watching. But you're right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where Utah's two and eight at the last ten, and and they they've got some tests ahead of them, and, and the Nets will probably have Harden back. And and you know what? I watched the Golden State game, and wow, Kyrie, <laughs> he he hasn't really missed a step. That I mean, he was so good and under control. And uh, so that's going to be a handful on Friday if uh, if they don't get them back as well. Because I, I think the Nets with Kyrie and Harden, I mean, obviously KD's not going to play, but that's going to be a challenge. And then, uh, you know, you've got the Warriors coming up. But they got two or three games, and the Knicks and the Magic and the Rockets, those are the games they can win down the road the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, I, th- I think the key focus is right now Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and, and uh, see, see where that goes. So. Yeah, it's, it's a tough deal. It's a tough deal when injuries and things of this nature. This league is so every night something different's happening, but uh, and, and their schedule has been hard and tough. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I have the answer to that. But they need Mitchell and Gobert back. If they do, they need a good. They need a big win to get their confidence, and hopefully uh, they can turn this thing around. But right now, if they don't come back. you're asking them to do something that I don't think they have the capacity to do. I just don't think they have the depth and and enough difference makers to to beat Denver and to beat those teams. Now, I say that, and every night we look at teams that get beat, they go on the road, and and I always have to go down to who was not there, for what reasons, what was the situation. I don't remember usually doing that. But uh, Jazz has to work ahead, no question. Steve, as always, we appreciate the time. Happy birthday. Uh, enjoy Thanks. it. Hey, uh, hopefully I'll see you guys Wednesday. All right. We will, uh, we will talk to you again in a week if we don't see you earlier than that. All right, man. Thanks, guys. There is Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He joins us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Warriors win again. Warriors win again. And uh, for, BYU, for BYU, for uh, Weber State and SUU, A good night of basketball, and we'll see what Utah State does tonight. We'll get to all of that coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.